Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship service from the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, on January 8th, 2023. This is the day that the Lord has made. Be glad in it. Feel a little chilly, but that lets you know that you are alive. We haven't had heat in the office all week, so it's only fair that you feel uncomfortable too, right? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It might be that somebody just didn't turn it on. I don't know. But as an aside, just to give you a feeling of um, something, if we were Greek Orthodox and if we were in the Middle East and we were worshiping, it would be freezing in that old stone church with no heat going, and you would be standing up for two or three hours. So, kind of look at it in perspective, and, and you could, you could, you're actually in a pretty plush situation right now, so just enjoy it. Saturday night suppers are coming back around here in January. It's the 14th. This is where we all eat together in Alton Hall. If you'd like, you want to contact the Daugherty's or the Loeb's to sign up, but I don't see either of them here this morning. Oh, yeah, there's Agnes. Very good. Thank you, Agnes. So sign up with Agnes for sure. If, if you haven't signed up yet, um, it starts at 5.30. Anyway, it's a great time of fellowship uh, together, so uh, do that. Is it your birthday, Joni? Happy birthday! Congratulations on uh, another year around the sun. Amen. Blessings to you. Uh, Koku reconvenes on the uh, 17th, so it's not this week, it's the week after that. Three sessions at Thousand Oaks before... Uh, before it comes here. Um, so a reminder for you to set that time aside. Next week is the mana, 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 drop off. So uh, I'll be thinking about that. Here comes Kathy Loeb. So uh, welcome to worship, Kathy. You can sign up with her or Agnes. Um, nobody's noticing that you're late. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. We're just happy you're here. Oh, and here's Kathy Bordner. The two Kathys are... Should we just wait and see who's coming through the door? Call them out one at a time. Today we're stepping into Epiphany. Epiphany is a fun time in which we kind of uh, step back and think about what the faith means to us, what kind of sense we make out of it. Epiphany is, aha, aha, oh, now I get it, kind of a thing. That's what an epiphany is. And the season of Epiphany is, is the season in which the church kind of uh, encourages us to have aha experiences, to try to say, all right, now I've been refreshed with the incarnation and the the sharing of God with us uh, in the birth of Jesus, and we're we're moving along in this late winter, spring towards resurrection, Lent and, and Easter, and we have these two big pillars of our faith. What sense do we make out of that? What sense do we make out of resurrection when we think knew about incarnation. Uh, what sense do we make out of both of them for ourselves in that these things are happening? So that's what Epiphany is about, and that's what we're kind of... Joanna Logo is here, too. Greetings. We're, we're calling people out this morning in the new year, welcoming people to worship. Glad that you're here. So in Epiphany, we think about these kind of things. What, what's, what's the meaning of all of this? And so that's what I'm going to try to help you with as your pastor in these next couple... Uh, of Sundays through Epiphany. Thank you all for your good stewardship, and thank you, Finance Committee and Leadership Team, for your diligence at, at holding together and making some good decisions on our budget. We have, uh, it looks like we have gotten through the end of this year a solvent, which was the main goal. We have uh, done ministry and found a new solvent floor to stand upon that we will now move off of into the next year and try to expand and deepen our ministry. So thank you all, those of you online and those of you in person who have been uh, such good stewards supporting your church. Well done. It's good to know that we've come out of this year solvent and are primed to go into next year. So blessings on you all. Happy New Year, all of that kind of stuff. Now let's uh, start worship. Oh, be ye joyful, be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord. 
for the call to worship and remain standing for the hymn and the invocation. Awaken, brothers and sisters, to the love of God surrounding and within you. We are blessed by the awareness of divine love made manifest in our lives. Where, where will love lead you this day, this month, this year? Let it be so. Good morning, friends. I'm so excited to be back with you again this morning. This morning, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you are going to be learning in Sunday school today. In fact, you guys are going to be learning about the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes that Jesus taught about on those days. And while I was looking through your Sunday school lessons for today's lesson, I came across a simpler writing of what those Beatitudes might be. Let me read them for you. Let your light shine. Jesus taught his friends. He said, blessed are you when you know that you need God, you will be a part of God's kingdom. Blessed are you when you feel sad, you will be comforted. Blessed are you when you are both strong and gentle, the earth will be yours. Blessed are you when you really want to follow God's ways. God will be with you. Blessed are you when you show God's love to others. God will also be kind to you. Blessed are you when you are a peacemaker. You will be called a child of God. Blessed are you when people do not treat you with kindness because you follow me, God's kingdom will be yours. Friends, people may be mean to you or tell lies about you because what you do is what is right. Even still, you are blessed. 
Know that you belong to God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Don't cover it up. Then others will see the good that you do and praise God. So as I read that, I started thinking about how the last Sunday I was with you in person, we talked about what was in our little red box. And I pulled out of that the manger and that God sent Jesus down to be the light of the world. And when we follow Jesus, that light shines through us so that we then become a light for others to see that points us back to the Savior. If you remember, I said, what are you doing to shine God's light out to others? And so this is just a reminder that when we do right, we are blessed. And when we talk about blessed, it's not like, oh, God's going to give us all these things. The translation from Hebrew actually means happy are you. It is what gives you a life of heaven, a life of heaven on earth to be God's followers in all that you do. So go and learn more about this during Sunday school, and then maybe we can talk about it next week when I'm in person. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for blessing us with your love, with your kindness, and with your light so that others see your light shining through us. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's children say, amen. All right, friends, now your Sunday school teachers are waiting in the back. Go on back and you can go to class. Bye-bye. Let us center ourselves and go to God in prayer. Holy God, as we begin this new year in our second worship of this new year, we pray that throughout this new year and this very day, you would hear the stirring of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts, and that those stirrings, those yearnings, and those hopes would be in line with your will for us as your children and as those that follow your Son in faith. Strengthen us. Give us courage for the challenges and the blessings that are ahead. We pray for those who are struggling with life. We, we hope that you are with them in a way that they would know and would be encouraged. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think specifically of Kathy Drake and Bill Nodoff, Sarah Pierce, Bobby Dilge, and Mike Tiobaldi as they deal with the effects of cancer and of their treatments. We pray that you would strengthen them and their loved ones. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray this morning for Phil Severance's brother Mark, with various health issues, for Adrian Friend, who is dealing with an addiction problem, and Heidi Giddy Van Pernis, whose dad is healing from a broken back. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray specifically this morning for Judy Rivera, who is having follow-up surgery to a recent toe amputation surgery and expects another surgery uh, next week. Be with her and, and strengthen her as she goes through all these physical challenges. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Maddie Jackson's boyfriend who recently died while on duty in the Riverside Deputy Sheriff Department, for Jeannie Severance's half-brother who recently passed on, and for Lee and Ruth Truman's oldest son, Mark, who died 
January 4th, uh, suddenly from a blood infection. We would pray for Lee and Ruth, uh, wife Linda and Matthew, and we would pray for all of the uh, family members and friends of these individuals as they grieve the passing of their loved one and look forward to the knitting together of the future days. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. For all those who are suffering from COVID and the other flu diseases that are around our community, we would pray your, your care. You would help them to uh, sustain themselves and to uh, gain back their vitality. We think particularly about Barry Flack uh, this Sunday as he uh, fights COVID. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we would pray for our state, our country, and our world, for all the things that we are going through to try to uh, be the, the kind of community that you would have us be, uh, the challenges that abound. Uh, help us, our leaders, and those people throughout the world who are of goodwill to create the kind of community you would want. We pray this, uh, we pray this with great hope and faith that indeed we may be able to move closer to that blessed community and peaceable kingdom. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of other people in situations as we lift up our private thoughts. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we give you thanks, Lord God, for particular moments of joy in our life. Our heart is full of those moments of joy and of appreciation. But together in prayer, we would lift up a thank you for uh, our marvelous Christmas Eve services and the holiday events that were a part of our lives. We are thankful for the engagement of Mike Sheehan and the promise of uh, joy that that uh, promises for them. And we think of the recovery of Rachel's brother from cancer surgery and how it is going so well, and we give you thanks and praise. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our church as we continue in our ministries through these challenging times, and we ask your help, Lord God in maintaining our effectiveness and vitality, in growing our effectiveness and vitality. May any of the good that we do be pleasing in your sight. We pray this in your son's holy name, joining in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us these days our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
scripture readings today are from the Gospel of Matthew and the Acts of the Apostles. The first is Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Hear these words. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have been prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Our next is Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Hear these words. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Amen. I've gotten some good feedback on our Advent Christmas services and sermons. 
It was good to gather at this holy season together, wasn't it? To see more of us together and to embrace again these traditions that are so, so key to us. Come home for Christmas just seemed to me to give voice to what we wanted to say to each other and surely to what God says to each of us during the Christmas season and, and really to each of us every day. Come home. May our church, UMCWV, and each of our people live into this truth for themselves and for others who may be hungering and thirsting for God's love. You are welcome here. You belong here already. Healing and encouragement abound. Transformation and purpose await. Hope, peace, joy, love are yours to have and to extend. Become the renewed you and set a course for a better life. So now the season of Epiphany is upon us, that time between Christmas and Lent, that time of, aha, okay, now I get it, a time to digest Christmas and to anticipate Easter, to make sense of it all, what the implications are for us and how we conduct ourselves and interact with one another. Today's gospel jumps 30 years forward in Jesus' life to his baptism. That's a pretty good amount of time traveling that we've done in six days, isn't it? And we know very little about these 30 years that we're jumping over to get to Jesus' baptism right now. We're told that Jesus grew up in Nazareth. Those of you who visited um, in the Holy Land with us, you know that that's a, this little, small, little hamlet still. Although it's a bustling city, it's still very small on the hillside overlooking uh, the, the plain where the end of the world is going to come, apparently. <clears throat> Beautiful green valley. You can imagine, if you've got a little bit of religious imagination, Jesus jumping on those stones and running up and down those hillsides as he grew up. He must have done that. He must have done something like that. What are the chances that, that he hiked with his buddies the, the four hours over to the Sea of Galilee and went swimming or went fishing? Most likely especially on those hot summer days where it's just kind of stifling in Israel. Now, we're told in Scripture that he had a temple visit, got separated from his family by intention or by accident, we don't know, but he was very clear to his parents when they found him that they should have been looking for him in the temple. Wherever else they were looking for him was foolish because that's where he would be. I tend to think that there probably were many temple visits because he was reared in this devout Jewish family. So at least annually, they probably went to the temple. And maybe annually, they had to track down their wayward son who was wandering around and, and pulling on the robes of the rabbis in the temple, wanting more information or debating what he heard them saying. Chances are, that's part of the story that we don't know of the 30 years, but we do get told one story that he was there, right? And I find it interesting that the teller of that story said, said that Jesus submitted to his parents' authority thereafter. Just to assure us that he wasn't going to be a, uh, a rebel son and disregard mom and dad, he, he obeyed the rules thereafter. It's, a, it's an interesting story, and we're left to imagine, well, what else might have gone on? Well, we have a tradition that he was a carpenter, right? But really, the word means uh, a worker with his hands who uh, built things, made things. So he could have been a mason. 
He, he, could have been, he could have been the guy that chipped those stones and made them so perfectly beautiful to fit together to make big buildings. Or he could have been that guy that helped build the woodwork that made the roofs or made the interiors. He could have been that guy that made the plastering um, that then those uh, paintings were made on. He could have been the guy that, that put all the um, mosaics together on the floor uh, that the rich people walked on in their homes. He could have been that guy. He could have been any of those guys with the term that's used for him. But apparently he's a worker. He's a, a construction kind of person with his hands. And we wonder, being raised in Nazareth, whether he just did uh, little jobs with dad in the town of Nazareth, or more likely, scholars think, he journeyed over the hillside to Sephorus, which was a town destroyed around the time of his birth by the Romans and was being rebuilt over this time of his life. And that maybe that's where he worked. So when you read about what's going on in Sephorus with their theater and their cosmopolitan styles and stuff like that, maybe Jesus got exposed to all of that. And maybe that's part of his understanding of the Greco-Roman world. We don't know. We suppose. Jesus now bursts upon the scene as John is baptizing in the Jordan. And he too receives water baptism, emphasizing his humanity and, and I think the centrality of this act of repentance for all who would start to pay attention to him and his, his way of accessing God and the faith. Jesus has a revelation as this is going on as to who he really is through sight and through sound. The spirit like a dove alights on him, we're told, and he hears, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism is important for us since it substantiates the validity of this spiritual practice that we have adopted, empowering baptism into one of the central sacraments of our faith, emerging right after Jesus' life. It's also important because it's a moment, in my words I would use, a moment of new life for Jesus in that he moves from the path of being Mary's son and the carpenter in Nazareth to the path of rabbi and Messiah. That junction point is his baptism. With the Spirit's power descending and, and God's blessing resounding, Jesus accepts his calling and moves forward into his future as the Christ, as the Messiah. And now in our scripture reading, we jump to post-resurrection time with Peter talking and looking back upon this Jesus event and what it might mean, what he's come and his disciples following Jesus have come to make sense of it. It's part of the sermon that Peter is giving after his Cornelius encounter. So you might want to go home and read a little bit of the earlier passages that lead up to what Candace read for us. Cornelius, well, he's a soldier. He's a, a centurion. He's living, hearing about Jesus, starting to think, hmm, this is very interesting. I want to learn more about it. Somebody says, well, this Peter guy who's a follower of Jesus is right over there in Joppa. Let's get his attention and get him to come over and tell us more about that. And, and, and that's the beginning of the story in which Peter then has a vision and a dream that maybe he ought to do that. Maybe he shouldn't just talk to the, the Jewish folk, that maybe he ought to talk to the Gentile folk also. Peter's sermon holds the kernel of the Jesus movement's proclamation about Jesus. We, 20 centuries later, have a whole big body of theology 
How big is the Vatican Library? We have more books just in our own little library than most of us can comprehend about our understanding of Jesus. At this point, it's not a whole lot of stuff. And we hear it from Peter. Peter is starting to say, here's what we understand about Jesus. God was, was, God was with Jesus in his healings, in the things that he did. And though he was killed, he rose from the dead. And he authorized us to talk about it with you guys. And to share the power of repentance, that if you, for, if you seek repentantly forgiveness for your sins, God will grant that to you through Jesus. No partiality. You don't need to be someone that was reared in this part of Palestine or this part of Egypt or this part of what we nowadays call Turkey, Anatolia. And just keep in mind, you know, he's going to judge the living and the dead too, just as a, a side statement. If you need a little motivation, Peter says, I think. Notice that this is not very complicated, right? This is not very complicated stuff. There's not a lot of sophisticated doctrine here. There's not a lot of uh, subordinate clauses. It's, it's very, it's very kind of direct. Simple to get your head around and your hand around and hopefully your, your life around. Jesus was anointed by God. Jesus is our connection to God. We can experience this spiritual reality by believing in the truth of that first statement. And as an impact upon our lives, our lives have the opportunity to become new. We have the opportunity to get it right with God through the power of that spiritual relationship. Recognize this for yourself. Take it to yourself. Extend it to others. This is like what, this is what Peter's saying. This is the beginning of the gospel. Turns into 90 pages, turns into 150 pages. It really is a paragraph. This is called the kerygma, the kernel of the gospel. God loves you in a transformative way through Jesus. Claim it, repent, be born again into a new life, be redeemed. Share that redemptive love with those around you. Simple, direct. Now, we need to remember that the disciples didn't quite understand who Jesus was when they were hanging out with him. It's an amazing story that our Gospels say that because you would have thought they would, but they didn't. And our Gospels bear witness to that, that they, they kind of understood something special was going on here, but they didn't quite understand what that specialness was until after the resurrection. Prior to it, they had some inklings, but, but also a host of doubts. Even some of them had doubts afterwards, don't we know? So that his crucifixion was seen as a failed ending. And then, though, his resurrection was an incredible surprise. Some of them couldn't believe it at first, yet having that personal experience of the resurrected Jesus in their lives, that personal experience made all the difference in what they believed about him. Remember the Thomas story, before and after? That personal experience made all the difference about what they believed about him and how they made sense of what happened throughout Jesus' life, all those different stories, what the real meaning of those stories were then. His baptism, ah, and his birth too. Now we, now we have a better understanding of what was going on at his birth. 
One of the, one of the great uh, professors of the faith, uh, a, a Roman Catholic, uh, Brown, Raymond Brown, called this process that I'm trying to uh, make alive for you, he called it retrospective discernment. Retrospective discernment of meaning. That, that maybe sometimes when you live through something, you don't quite get it, but then after the fact and you look back, you go, aha, I get it now. You have an epiphany. You understand it retrospectively, and it comes alive to you. Professor Brown calls retrospective discernment of meaning what's going on here as we're understanding Jesus. And I think this makes a lot of sense because that is what we do in our own lives. If we were to talk to one another, have a nice little visit, and I were to say, well, what, what do you make of what that, what do you make of what you're telling me happened when you were in college? You, you would start to say something, right? And, and you would fill it out with a meaning, with, with a, a, a sense of power of how it maybe shaped your life, altered you, made things a little different, made, maybe gave you greater clarity. You would have some retrospective discernment. We do that in our own lives, don't we? We're doing that with Jesus. We see the stories of Jesus in a new way, in a, in a better light. And, and you see the amazing connections of that story to your own story. And you realize now that God was running along with you the whole time, even though maybe you didn't quite realize it. And that God was loving you from the start, encouraging you, assisting you in, in the whole of your life, binding your wounds, tending your heart, shaping your spirit, forming your soul. And now you're awake to it. Praise be to God. And you start to discern in earnest the truth of Christ for, for all. And the meaning of Christ for you. Aha, you say. Aha. I've got it now. The gospel of Christ has been proclaimed and discussed, affirmed or denied for nearly 20 centuries. It's all ideas, suppositions, and concepts, suspicious and intriguing history until you have that personal experience of the risen Lord in your life. And then it becomes something else altogether for you. It's real, it's true, it's life-transforming, life-giving, life-saving. A pastor asked a bunch of uh, kids in his congregation, what animal is most like the local church? And once an ant's People are running around all over the place. And another said, eagle, because we're soaring high and mighty. Some kid said that, actually. And then the third kid said, a unicorn. And the pastor said, why a unicorn? And the child replied, because like a unicorn, the church is only real and alive if you believe in it. Now, Jesus is not a unicorn. Jesus is not a unicorn. Jesus is who Jesus is, whether we get it 
or not, Jesus is. But you need to believe in Jesus to consciously experience his reality, his truths, and his benefits for your life. So, as we look forward in this new year, I want to encourage you to begin by, by centering yourself, for all of us to center ourselves in what's most important. Not sweating out the small stuff, but, but tending to the big stuff, our faith, our experience of the risen Lord. So whatever New Year resolutions you made, be sure to add this one to them in the category of must do. You don't have to have all your theology sorted out. You don't have to have all your doctrines clearly organized in your head. You just need to grab hold of the essential core. Jesus is your Lord and Savior the one you follow and who saves you for your sins, grab hold to that basic belief. God is not with partiality to any of you. You can have a gray head, you can have a brown head. You can have a white skin, you can have a yellow skin. You can have a tall body and a short body. You can speak in this language or that language. God shows no partiality, Peter said, and we believe. Grab hold of the basic belief and discover what it means for you and the power it has for you to become your very best. That's what we're hoping for in Epiphany. Amen. Amen? Amen. Uh, this is our second Sunday of the month, and so we try to have a mission moment on these Sundays, and um, guess what? We're going to do one today. So I'm going to invite Patricia Cadover to come forward. I'm saying it that way just for, we're having fun. I'm from New York, and I can't say ERs, although I just did, right? But I usually say Cadova, and she's been saying me, I'm not a Cadova, I'm a Cadover. So... <laughs> Here she is. Tell us a little bit about Casa Pacifica, your experiences, uh, why it's a... Um, yeah, oh, you're dear. messing this up, dear. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Oh, is that working? That's working. Can you That's hear her? Working. Can you All hear right. her? Okay. Okay. Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Walt. Yeah. Well, have you heard that there's a homeless crisis? Have you ever asked yourself... What can I do about it? Well, I have, and I've found an opportunity to help end the cycle of homelessness at its very root. First, I want to give you some startling numbers. Approximately 25% of foster youth are homeless within two years of leaving the system. 25% are incarcerated. 51% are unemployed and a rare 3% of foster youth continue to higher education. In California, one in four emancipated youth are homeless, and a significant percentage of them are pregnant or already parents. Here is a solution you and I can be a part of. It is Casa Pacifica's Transitional Youth Services Program that helps prevent these youth from becoming another homeless statistic. Two transitional youth service options are available at Casa Pacifica for these youth. One is independent housing in the community, and the other is semi-independent housing at Casa Pacifica on their campus. Both are overseen by advisors that are available daily. Currently, Casa Pacifica is undertaking a huge renovation of three cottages on their campus 
to create 27 suites of interim housing and wraparound services available to young adults ages 18 to 25 who are current or former foster youth or who have had prior experience with probation. Integrated in-house support services for these youth include educational, vocational, and mental and behavioral health services. And TYS also assists these youth in securing vital documents, a driver's license, medical appointments, how to utilize public transportation, and how to budget monthly living expenses. Housing residents must be attending school or be employed 80 hours a month or both. The average length of stay in transitional housing is currently 384 days. The program has served 657 youth since beginning in 2007 and has provided them with the support and skills to make positive changes in their lives. However, while their shelter needs are being met, Casa Pacifica relies on donors like you and me to fund the many extras that these vulnerable youth need. Funds will go toward current needs to furnish and replace much needed items in each of the TYS residences. We are the families of these children in our community. And we want to ensure that they have the experience of housing with dignity and meaningful support to transition into responsible adults. I invite you to be a part of a child's success story and help end the cycle of homelessness at its root by donating to this month's mission moment Casa Pacifica's Transitional Youth Services. Thank you. Thank you. You are invited to share of your financial resources via the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing all the good that we do, so please give generously and be a part of what happens in people's lives through UMCWV.
Amen. Please be seated. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator and sovereign of the universe, our light and our salvation. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. Therefore, your people in all the ages and the whole company of heaven praise your glorious name. Truly holy are you. In the fullness of time, you revealed yourself in your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Through him, we are saved and baptized into your service. On the night his disciples betrayed and deserted him, though, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, and again he offered you thanks. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you eat it and drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we who in past years have been baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ now offer ourselves to you anew and union with Christ's sacrifice for us. We pray that you would send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts, that in the breaking of the bread and in the drinking of the cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be one body in him, cleansed by his blood, and look forward to his coming in final victory. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. And we pray that in your mercy you would strengthen us through this gift in faith towards you and in fervent love towards one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
hope this service has been a blessing to you. Let's work with the Spirit and one another, making this a blessed day and a great week. Stay safe. Be healthy. Know that you are loved. We know in God's Spirit, seeking peace and justice. Be blessed by that Spirit and be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. Amen.